Welcome to Trading for Keeps. This is Brian. And this is Michael. Today, we've got a guest with us today. His name is Rick Major, And I met Rick uh, through LinkedIn. And you've been trading for about 20 years or a little more than 20 years. And you just do all sorts of trading. You host a chat room on Futures Trading Coach. So first, I want to say thank you for joining us, Rick. I really appreciate, appreciate you coming on today. Thanks for having me. Excellent. So we always like to start off with uh, how did you get how did you get your start in the market? Can you tell us about that first interaction? Was it a you know a trading game in high school? Did you buy a a mutual fund at ten years old? <laughs> uh, I actually all um, I was always interested in the market. I was always interested in charts, but you know as everybody in the beginning, I really didn't know what I was really doing. Uh, my first interaction was uh, around nineteen ninety nine. Uh, when a friend of mine told me about the, I don't know if people remember, will remember that, but the Y2K um, issue that was supposed to happen when the year 2000 came in. And um, there was some software that was going to fix that. And I ended up buying a company called Zittle, got in a little late and uh, it just tanked. It went down and lost a bunch of money. And that was really my first real interaction, although I really didn't know what I was doing. Uh, after that, I was kind of just like, let me keep looking at the charts and things. And then shortly after that, uh, I had got contacted by a stockbroker out of New York. And I didn't really know too much about that, but I'm like, well, my first stock purchase didn't go too well. So um, let me see what this guy has to say. And this was a company that was, it was having to do with dry cleaning, but it was called wet cleaning ended up being a big scam and they actually got arrested for it. The company actually got shut down, but they basically were calling everybody trying to get them, telling them, Oh, you got to get in on this. You got to get in on this. It's going to be the next big thing. Was I ended that, up set, huh? that kind of a boiler room operation. No, I mean, it was a legit, well, I don't know where they were operating. They were out of New York, but I'm not exactly sure what the deal was, but they literally, it was like, fake statements i mean they basically i sent them money i think it was like five grand and bought this bought the stuff and then they had said all oh, the stock went down and then you know this was before the internet was really you know really big and everything like that so um i got burned by them and then shortly after that i heard something about it either in the paper or something that they got that they had gotten it was the same company so i just said you know what i have to learn how to do this myself and just kind of kick the can around for a while um you know, mostly stocks. It was mostly stocks. I didn't get into options or futures until later on. And uh, just part-time because I had a job and stuff like that, like most people do. And it wasn't until about several years later, 2005, 2006, I really started getting into options. Again, just buying and selling them because um, I really wasn't comfortable shorting stock, but I, I knew that you could buy put options. And that was a way to kind of sell the market and things like that. Uh, what I didn't understand was all the things that went along with options, um, time decay and different things like that, that basically ended up costing me a lot of money in bad trades as well. So, and then I eventually found futures down the road. I want to, I want to back up just a little bit. That first stock, you said it was Zittle, the Y2K play. Correct. You said you ended up losing money on it. Did you actually sell the stock for a loss or did you just sit on it forever? I know a lot of new traders have a hard time taking that loss. Uh, no. Well, what happened was it was it was pumped up because of the Y2K problem and they were supposed to be the ones that were going to fix the issue. And what happened was, was when Y2K came out and there was no issue, every, everything tanked and it was never going to come back because 
they didn't, you know, they really weren't needed, I gotcha. guess. So yeah, eventually I just sold for, it wasn't because I didn't want to take a loss or I was trying to hold on to it. It was just, you know, I, it was just typical getting involved with something. And I always stress that to people. A lot of people that I find trade things that they really don't understand, and we've all been guilty of it. I mean, uh, and it's really important, even people like in our trade room, for example, they come in, they don't even know the price of a tick of some of these instruments. And it's kind of scary because, you know, it's not just, it's not that simple. You know, you kind of have to at least know what you're trading, so to speak. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. When you come in, you don't know what you don't know. And then I did want to ask you, you, you mentioned you had a full-time job. What was your, what were you doing before you went full-time into the market? I was in the tech industry, actually. I was, uh, we did web hosting and um, programming and web design and everything like that. So, um, and I, I was doing that from 96 on. So I was doing it for quite some time up until I started, you know, converting into the trading more. Okay. All right. Excellent. So I'm always just kind of curious, like what, the, you know, the background people have, you know, because Brian, he, he works in, uh, in IP uh-huh. and, um, you know, I, I, I was a project manager for a construction company here just until recently. Oh yeah. I, I mean, that's a whole nother story. I mean, I started in with computers basically when, I mean, I bought a gateway computer, uh, when Amer I don't know if people remember America online, but that's kind of dating myself a little bit when they sent you the little disc coasters in the mail and everything. And for some reason I thought I was going to just, Hey, I could do what they can do. You know, it's just a bunch of screens. Cause there was no internet really. They made their own screens, their own weather, you know, news and things like that. And there was some bulletin board software. I forget the name of it that came out that basically did the same thing. We, I hired a graphic designer and I thought I was going to be the next America online. And we started doing, uh, internet access dial-up access back when they had the modems the 28 8k modems and so it was years ago <laughs> but uh yeah that that was my first foray into you know getting into that you know type of stuff and uh i, well, I remember all that stuff well we, I, oh, yeah. I was, you know you know i was uh in middle school and high school in the at the turn of the century there so i remember getting home after school and getting on aol messenger mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i I remember the same. I'll just one funny story. So we we actually played the stock market game in our eighth grade middle school. I think it was seventh or eighth grade. And um, one of the stocks I picked was AOL at the time. Really? It actually had a stock split in the middle of the uh, the trading game. And I just remember like we didn't know what that was. The teacher had to come in and explain. You know, yeah. that's the first time I learned what a stock split was in, the, yeah. in that in that game. Thanks, thank you AOL for that valuable well, and you, and, lesson. And, and you find out with it, which I didn't realize because again I wasn't really into business that much. But America Online had an access division, and then of course a media division where they sold the advertising. And again, I didn't know anything about that, but um, they had 20 million subscribers, or I don't know what it was at the peak. But uh, that division was actually losing money, and of course that's what i was in if you didn't have the eyeballs to sell this the advertising um you know it wasn't going to work they did uh and they were making all their money on that so i learned a hard lesson in that when i when you know when i started doing that so uh but yeah that's that's a whole nother world that's <laughs> pre-trading world for sure all right so in, you said 2005 2006 you were getting into trading options did you did you find any levels of success at this point or were you still just toying around on the side no, and and the reason why I didn't, I don't think I had a, the level of success was twofold. One reason there wasn't as much information as there is out there now, um, and, and you know, number two, I just didn't really know. I just didn't know what I was doing. You know, I didn't have a methodology. I didn't have a. I was doing kind of like, oh, I think this is going to go up, but 
you know, I don't want to do it with stock because I've heard with options, you can get more leverage. And then I would buy a call and, uh, you know, for example, you know, and I'm waiting and then I'm waiting and the mark, the stock's going up a little bit, but my call's worth less money. And I'm trying to figure out, well, well, how is that possible? Like, so, you know, I went through that whole thing. And again, I was only doing it part-time. So, you know, I didn't really, and there wasn't as much information out there. So it wasn't really until I started learning more about selling time premium and selling options and then getting into the futures and understanding how the markets really work because I was, then I started doing it not all day, but partially a part, part of the day, a good three, four hours a day, almost every day. Um, and then I started getting more, and then I circled back to the options and stuff like that and took that so information. Did, did you basically figure it out on your own? Did you end up finding some sort of uh, training? I would, I wouldn't probably not a training software package or anything, maybe a book. No, what I, what I, what I found was there's a lot of information out there and, and I really do believe that there's literally, and there's probably millions of links now on Google and, you know, YouTube and all that kind of stuff. It's all there. The problem is there's the, the 10 or 20 things that you need are mixed in with the, the 200,000 things that are not going to do you any good. And people are, people search for years and, you know, months and years to try to find uh, what, you know, what, what it is that's going to work for them if they even find the right combination. So it wasn't until I got help from, from a mentor that, that I actually, who really explained to me how the markets work and what, what the game is intraday, so to speak. And it's different for swing trading and position trading a little bit, obviously, because you're dealing with larger time pr frames primarily. Um, but um, at that point I was really more into, uh, uh, but again, I, you know, I had almost quit as well. Uh, at that point uh, a couple of times and then seriously towards the end until, you know, before I really found the mentor and turned the corner. So I was grateful for that. So talk a little bit about that. Tell us why, why did you almost quit? And then what, what stopped you from going out the door? Uh, well, finding the mentor and it was by luck was, was what stopped me from going out the door. I, I had just, I had realized that I, that there was a way to do it. And there was a way to make money consistently. And I should also say, you know, it's easy to make money for a couple of months. It's a lot harder to make money for a couple of years. So, um, you know, anybody can get lucky for a couple of months or have a good quarter, but going through all those, you know, market cycles and downturns and everything, you really have to have a discipline. You really have to really understand all the trading during this summer, trading during the, you know, you know, some big economic news, holiday trade, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, I had just really got to the point. I had three brokerage accounts opened up and I had just said, you know, there's, there's a way somebody's making money out there. And there's a, I don't want to call it a secret boys and girls club or whatever, but I had just decided that, you know, I'm just never going to find it. I know it's there. I know if you know the right information, you can get it. I just didn't think I would find it. So I literally closed out two of my brokerage accounts. Uh, I had one open and I was getting ready to actually close. I actually called the company and I said, what do I need to do to close this? And, you know, they're just like, oh, fill out this paperwork, fax it, whatever it was, fax it back, email it back. And uh, I was getting ready to close it. And at that time, that's when I found we were in a trading group. Um, I was in Chicago and uh, it was a bunch of us, about 15, 30 people, all just trying to make it IBD 100 stocks, all that kind of stuff. Nobody really knew what they were doing. It was about 80% stock, probably 18% options. And there was just a few people interested in futures. And I, I was one of them. And uh, 
a guy just walked in. He was trading futures. He met the mentor that I that I eventually found about six months prior to that and said, hey, you know, I know not a lot of you guys are interested in futures, but let me just kind of show you what, you know, what I'm doing. And, you know, if you're interested, great. If you're not, that's fine. It's been working for me. So I, I was really, I wasn't even going to the meetings at that point. I mean, literally, I was literally out the door. I mean, I was like, I, I stopped going to the meetings. But when I saw the email from them saying futures, because they hadn't really focused on that, I was like, you know, this is really something I was always interested. I never really got into too much. Let me, let me, let me just go see. I haven't seen the guys in the group for two or three months and showed up there. The guy showed me the stuff, what he was doing. And I, course i didn't believe it i was kind of like wow this is really interesting and uh called up the called up the the mentor who who i eventually ended up learning from and you know that was that was really it i mean that's when the hard road started quite frankly i mean that's when that's when the work really started because that's when i saw the possibilities i saw what was possible and i and i knew i just had to put the work in um and so i didn't close out that last account and you know here you know here i am you know so so you had three accounts, you closed out two of them then, and then we're about to close out the last one and just happen by happenstance, you happen to run into the right people at that time. Was that happened happened to. Yeah, I really I had no inkling that I was ever gonna that it was I mean, I literally I don't know what I certainly I wouldn't be trading today at all because I was done. I was just like, you know, I'm just this is if I'm not gonna find anything that I can really work with that's consistent, what am I gonna do? I mean, I can go get a job at Walmart and make I mean, it's not all about money, but you know, it's like, if I'm going to people sit in front of the screen for, I know a guy who literally sits in front of the screen 15 hours a day and he's got six monitors. He doesn't make any money seven days a week. He doesn't leave and he, he doesn't know what he's doing. I mean, he can't, and it's just like, but he loves it. And he's just like, you know, I, I want to try to do this. And I was already past that at that point. I was like, you know, I, I can't do this anymore. So, um, but like I said, luckily it worked out. So what, what resonated with you about the, uh, the futures markets? Well, I, I always like the day trading aspect more than, um, and some people prefer the swing trading and the position trading, especially if they have jobs and there's nothing wrong with that. But I still say, you know, that's a different, different skill sets, you know, that, that you have to know. I, I, I like the idea of being flat at the end of the day, although I don't do that with everything now with futures I am but not with not with options or stock um, because I didn't want to have overnight risk on uh, and I, and I like that idea and I wanted to leverage I didn't have I, I had money a little bit of money but I, I didn't want to risk it because you know I didn't know what I was doing and I wasn't sure if, if I really had any I didn't have anything that in my mind was proven for months and years at that point and I didn't want to go throw a bunch of money at it and again I know we're going to talk about, you know, funding, funding op options and things like that, but that didn't really exist very easily in futures back then. So you either came with your own money or, you know, you were just practicing on the simulator, so to speak. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And I completely get it. I mean, my personal style of trading, I'm, I'm strictly a day trader, but I only trade the morning momentum. I, the morning's just making sense to me. I've, I've followed that discipline for a long time. I, I can't, hold a position overnight. I don't sleep. If I have a position, I, I try to take in a hundred shares overnight and I have these crazy dreams that I wake up and I'm up a thousand or down a thousand, like just, <laughs> right, right. you know, I don't right. know why I can't, I don't, but you know, but at the same time, Brian, Brian swing trades, he likes to, he likes to hold positions for a little while. So I, you know, I, I get it. It's definitely, 
I've realized that you have to find what, what really works for you and what speaks to you and what makes sense to you, what you can tolerate. Correct. Yeah. Everybody has their own level of risk tolerance and especially with futures. I mean, you know, you're not, I mean, if you're up on a position and you, you have a trailing stop and you want to hold it overnight, that's maybe one thing because worst case scenario, it's going to come back at you. And, you know, you maybe you make a little bit of profit if you're sleeping, you're not worried about that. You know, you have that unrealized P&L. Um, but yeah, no, to sit in this, it's just, I just, it's not for me because well, yeah, it's like what you said, I'm checking it. I'm getting up, you know, 930 at night. I put my kids to bed and then I'm going and checking it. And then I watch a little TV and then I'm checking it. And then I don't want to go to bed because you know everybody's been you know i but some people have that like you said some people have that ability where they can just you know go to sleep you know or whatever but uh but i do with stock and i do with with certain options positions because my options positions are held longer like weeks and months and i'm not going to get that much overnight volatility and if i do i can always hedge again i mean if i get an alert and i do have alerts that i mean if the market goes down let's say the s&ps go down more than 30 points 40 points overnight um i give it a little bit more room now these days because of covid but um you know i can literally get up and there's things i can do i can i can buy um you know options on futures i can buy i can buy i can sell the s&ps you know things like that there's things you can do um but it's still i'd rather just sleep at night and not have to worry about it. <laughs> so, so, quick question: so Are you sure. are, are you buying options like on individual stocks, or are you just doing the S and P, or what? Are, what options are you typically? Never, doing? never. I what I do currently right now is I I, I buy stock for for longer term um, gain and dividend. I do options only on the indexes, and again, there's tax advantages for that, and that's the reason why I do that. Um, and because I don't have to deal with so much because it's the whole index. I'm not worried about necessarily as much gap risk i'm not worried about you know there's some accounting scandal in one company it's not going to affect me as much because it's multiple stocks you know in the s&p and the russell i primarily do the ndx the russell the s&p i used to do a little oex but not anymore um and just out of curiosity so i i've i've never traded these kind of options contracts before but like um you know i understand there's a you know there's a I guess there's, I guess my two questions are there's, so right now we have currently we have free trading of securities on a lot of platforms, right? There's no commission, they're commission free trades. But my understanding with a lot of option contracts, there's, you know, there's a premium on the, uh, on the option. And then, you know, there's a different premium based on the expiration date as well. Correct. I, mean, I guess, so, I mean, I guess you have to win by a certain margin in order to offset those costs, right? To well, to- well, first of all, the, the, the free trading really is more with the stocks with options. There is still commissions, although they've lowered them, you know, considerably. Um, but yes, you have time premium and um, but if you're selling them, you're collecting that premium. So I'm not, in other words, I'm not buying calls. I'm buying, I'm selling calls and puts, but I'm, but I'm doing them in spreads. I'm not doing too much. There's different ways you can do it. You can do it with strangles and straddles. And a lot of that's, those are what they call naked puts and naked calls on either side. And you're opening yourself up to a lot of risk in that case, uh, unlimited in, in some cases. I always basically use protection insurance, different people call it different things. But yes, you do have to be right within a certain margin, of course. And different people have different strategies of how they do that. Some people go for shorter gains. Um, some people go for 50% of the premium they collect. I mean, it's just, it's all different based on the style that you're trading. And just out of curiosity, are you, do you ever hold, you said, 
I guess your your cash pretty frequently, but do you you know you never hold these to expiration? Never, right? not, okay. not 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 well. I mean, again, I personally don't. Some people will sell options the day of expiration. Um, let's for example, and this is just a very generic case, but S and P's are at uh, thirty six sixty eight, and something's expiring in two or three days, and they can sell something down in the you know two hundred points away for a nickel. Well, they're going to do that. The problem is if they, and again, they're playing the statistics. They're playing the fact that if they do it each and every week, they're going to make a lot of money. Maybe one week they get caught just on those one, that one or two days where the market drops and it doesn't have to drop 200 points, even though there's 200 points of room for the strike price, you know, that thing starts dropping 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 points, your premium is going to get jacked up. So that premium, that, that nickel that you sold it for, even though it may expire worthless and you still may end up making the full nickel on it, it, it could be 50 cents. It could be a dollar. It could be, you know, $2. And I mean, now you're underwater a lot of money. And if you've got risk management, you can't, you can't let, and that's where people, that's where people fall short. They say, well, yeah, but it's going to come back and I'll still collect my nickel. And it does a lot of the time until it doesn't. And that's, you know, it's a different issue, but that's what happens with a lot of your hedge funds and things like that. The market corrects 10, 20, 30%. And next thing you know, you know, a bunch of hedge funds blow up because that's basically what they do. I mean, they just, you know, they, they scale in, they scale in, they scale in, and the market goes up, right? It goes up most of the time over the course of, you know, this year, next year, then the following year, and, until the one year comes every five or six years or whatever, when it doesn't, and then, you know, it ends up being a problem. So, um, I don't do that. I mean, so I don't take risks like that for a nickel because just personally, I don't do that. My typically I'm holding a position. I'm, I'm out three to seven days before expiration. That's typically what I do. And, and these are on positions that, that will, that will, that will be sold three weeks to, it could be up to a couple months, typically 45 to 60 days is the high is the furthest I go out. And I'll be out of that with seven to 10 days before expiration or sooner. Sometimes you get lucky because what you're doing is you're selling volatility when you're selling uh, certain options. And it, when volatility goes up, you can, it, it can go against you. But if volatility goes your way and price stays the same, um, you can get out of that trade sometimes pretty quick. I mean, sometimes within a week, you get lucky, call it a gift. So, so essentially, uh, is it one, one in hand worth two in the bush, right? Yeah, if everything works out right, you can have the price in the stock market stay relatively the same. But if volatility is high, it can come in. If it comes in three, four, even you know two, three points, four points, five points, you can make you can make a lot of your money. You can make what you would it would normally take you thirty days of holding that thing on a forty-five day option. Uh, you can make it in a week, ten days or less, and then you just. You know, some people try to milk it for more. Some people just take it. I, I usually take it. Uh, just out of curiosity, Rick, what's the liquidity like on these options? Like, I, I mean, I'm assuming you're able, the bid ask is pretty good and that you can get in out pretty easily. You can usually get in in the mid. Yeah. I mean, I mean, liquidity is fine. I mean, I don't trade th thinly traded stuff. I mean, and, and, and again, that gets into like if it's the if it's the s p it's the spx that's that that's the instrument plenty of liquidity as you go further away from the from the from the current market price this there's staggered strike prices all the way up and all the way down the ladder as you get further away typically the volume is less except for in 
the SPX, for example, the quarters are very popular. So 3675, 3700, those are typically very popular. So there'll be more volume there, but never a problem with liquidity. And there's a formula that you look to depending on what you're doing. You typically want open interest to be a certain level based on what you're putting on. So if I'm trading 10 contracts, I don't want the open interest necessarily to be 40. You know, I want it to be a certain threshold of that. And that depends on how far out I'm going and things like that. So um, you don't want to get caught, but it, you can always get, I mean, if it's the SPX, you're going to be able to get out. It's just at what price, you know, you don't want to end up selling at the natural if you don't have to or whatever. So, or taking a worse price at a different strike, you know, getting out and waiting. Sometimes you get, some people have to wait two, three days to get out of a position if they don't, if they don't sell it with the right liquidity. So liquidity is a concern. Um, but that's why I stick to the indexes primarily. No, it makes a lot of sense. I would say, yeah, liquidity volume. I think that's, that's huge. I think every trader has to, especially if you're doing it, uh, you know, with any sort of real strategy, you're always, that's, that's a measure that you always take. I know every now and again, I'll take a, 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 a if something doesn't have the liquidity I want, I might, I really want to take it. I might take a smaller position at something like that. Right. Always managing your risk. Make sure, but futures really is where really is where I like I like to be because plenty of liquidity in 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 like the ES futures. Uh, you know, you can put on it. And again, I primarily in futures I primarily trade the morning. Every once in a while, I'll do pre market or the afternoon, but primarily it's the morning. And I mean, you know, if you're trading the morning session in the S and P, you, you know, I mean, you know, you, you could put a hundred contracts on, which I don't do. I mean, but I mean, you know, it can handle, and you can even ladder it at there. You can do a hundred, 150. And then if you got to, if you got to, you know, if you really wanted to put on more, you would need a multi-million dollar account to be able to do that. I mean, tens of millions to be able to justify putting two, 300 contracts on, but the liquidity's there for, for the futures for sure. And how is, how has it changed with all these mini futures? Once again, I'm not a futures trader, but I've heard about these mini futures that are coming out, getting a lot more people involved in futures trading. How has that affected your trading? So just, just to get things straight for the terminology, there was what they used to call the big contract. The minis are what's currently out there. The new thing you're talking about is the micros. Yes, the micros. The micros, yes. Yeah. So it. just so it's okay. I mean, so so for example, in the S P you're talking about twelve fifty a tick, you're talking about in the e minis, fifty dollars a point. The big contract used to be five hundred dollars a point. So, you know, you were you were you know, I, I didn't ever trade the big contract. My mentor did years ago. Um, it's just not traded that much anymore. If, I don't even know if it's, if it's, there's any volume in it, but um, the micros is only, um, is, is a 10th of that. So kind of like the spy with the S and P, you know, a 10th, a 10th of the, of the instrument price. So the, the interesting, and I just looked up the volume the other day, it was very interesting. The micro E minis, uh, the volume was really, I think in the morning when the market opened, there was about 268,000 contracts in the minis and the micros had like 200 and a quarter, which was, a, I, I couldn't believe it. I, I just happened to look it up. So there's a lot of, a lot of people are getting into that. And again, the reason is, is leverage, you know, I mean, first of all, with, with, with the COVID with the, with current condition we're in, of course, this is being recorded December first, twenty twenty. Um, the current conditions we're in with the volatility, uh, it's hard to trade with 
an, some, a stop that you would use two years ago because the volatility is just so high with the VIX and everything like that. So now people are faced with, hey, I've got a $5,000 account or a $10,000 account or a $20,000 account. Uh, you either have to scale down, which is hard to do if, let's say you're trading two contracts and you want to scale down to one. Well, now that poses a lot of problems because one contract as you probably know with anything is, you know, hard because, you know, you're never right. You either get out and you shouldn't have, or you did, you, you got out and you didn't get out and you should have. Um, and if you want to go to multiple contracts where you have runners on your positions and things, and you can hold trades and peel off targets and things like that, depending on what your trading style is, uh, the micros are good for people because, you know, instead of trading one mini, they can trade, you know, even five or six micros and, 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 you know, reduce their risk and still have that. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Cause I know I like to enter, you know, depending on the position I, I do like to scale in and scale out over time. I always have yeah right. multiple price targets set out there. That makes a lot of sense that I, okay. And I was, I was just curious how it did affect this, but that well, makes a lot of sense that it gives uh, I guess just gives you more options. Well, and with stock, you have a lot more leverage on that because like you said, you could, you know, if you're buying 20 shares or 50 shares or whatever it is with the futures, the leverage is is really good, but that works against you in the fact that you know you can't put thirty of them on. So you know some people are stuck with just a couple. And you know again, if you're trading during more volatile times or you're doing whatever and you got to scale that back, the micros just gives you the option. Or people people are coming now with five hundred dollar accounts because the margin's fifty dollars a contract uh, in the ES uh, in in the micros um, as opposed to five hundred in the mini. So now you're not going to make a ton. But, you know, that's, you know, it is what it is. You got to start somewhere and, and, and build it. Yeah, you can get your feet wet at least with that $500 account. Or go with a funding company, which I know like we, we, so we said we were going to go with a funding company where you can trade that leverage and, and you don't have to risk your own money. I do want to get to the funding companies. Let's back up yeah, one yeah, that yeah, you yeah, mentioned yeah. earlier that you like the futures because there's a tax advantage. Now, I mm-hmm. trade stock. So I know that basically every dime that I happen to make in stock is going to be taxed as if I got it from a W-2 employer, but I'm liable for, you know, the, I'm liable for everything, the federal, the state, the social security, the whatever else, all the payroll taxes, I'm just going to have to pay that out of, out of what I earn. What, what's the tax advantages on the futures? And we're not providing tax advice. Please consult your own tax advice person, but uh, just in, in broad terms. Correct. So for, so, and it, by the way, this is true for options as well. If you're doing the index, certain index options, and there's a list online people could find, we can maybe post a link or something, but um, basically what it is, is you basically, it gets, it's a blended rate. So if you make a profit, 60% of your profit is taxed at basically dividend 15%, whatever the it, the, the long-term capital gains rate is. 40% is taxed at your current, whatever your current you know tax rate is. So it, it, a blended rate, it works out to be where you end up saving. Uh, and, and again, the savings is the savings. It's all relative. I mean, if you're dealing with bigger money, it can add up to a lot, but even if it's smaller money, it's just more money in your pocket. So instead of paying short-term gains, you're paying um, short-term gains on only 40% of it is essentially what it is. And that goes for most futures, if not all futures, and some some options, uh, index options, such as the ones that I trade, such as the uh, the NDX, the uh, SPX, the RDX, and stuff, stuff like that. 
Okay, perfect. We'll definitely, I will find a, a sheet that gives us the blended rate, what the blended rate applies to, and we'll link to that in the show yeah. notes. Yeah, yeah. All right, awesome. Um, well, you were mentioning getting funded. Mm-hmm. I've, I've seen that. I feel like I get emails, random emails sometimes saying, hey, you know, I, I don't even know. I never look into it any further because I don't believe them. I don't believe they're just going to give me $100,000 and say, have fun. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> well, they don't. Well, they don't exactly. Now, I I will tell you that with um, I there's there are companies that do it for stocks. I'm again, I don't I use my own money for stocks. There are con- there are companies that do that even options it's a little bit harder futures is primarily where where they're at um and again they tell you a hundred thousand dollar account fifty thousand dollar account they're really not giving you that i mean and the companies vary they use that to make it seem like oh we're you know you could trade a hundred thousand dollars of our money and they're basing that off of the amount of contracts that they say that you can trade and they're basing it not off of day trading margin. They're basing it off of overnight margin, even though they don't let you hold overnight. So it's a little, and I'm not, and I'm not saying it's a scam because it's not, it's a marketing thing is really what it is. They are legitimate companies, but yes, most companies, like for example, with one of the companies, uh, they'll tell you it's a $50,000 account and you can trade up to five futures contracts. Well, it's great, except for it's not really $50,000. It's basically a $2,000 drawdown plus the margin. So if theoretically, and you can't trade five, I mean, you can trade five if you're scalping and you're doing different things. That's very hard with this volatility. But um, if you're trading two or three contracts, $500 margin in the ES, 1500, let's say with three contracts, um, you know, plus the $2,000 drawdown. So they're essentially giving you the equivalent of what you could do yourself with 3,500 bucks. Let's call it five grand, you know, if you, so, but if somebody doesn't really know what they're doing and they're not sure that they're consistent, would somebody rather risk three or four or 5,000 of their own money? Or would they rather risk, you know, a couple hundred dollars, which is all it takes to take, to take the test, you know, to see if you can pass. Um, and that's what they all make you do. They all have rules. They all make you pass a test, prove that you can trade, prove that you can be somewhat consistent and they will give you, I mean, they will give you a, a, a funded account. If you don't break their rules and you make money, um, they will let you, uh, you know, withdraw. And you, as long as you keep that balance in there, now they get a cut. And again, it varies. Typically it's um, the most popular companies that are out there. It varies where you would uh, keep 80% and they would keep 20. Some of them have a, what they call a loyalty program or a, a partner program where if you're with them over a year, you can keep 90 and they take 10, which isn't bad. Now, the other thing I should mention about that, because we already talked about the 1256, um, you're not trading your own account. You're trading their account, which is an important distinction because you're basically get a 1099. And what that obviously, well, what that means for people who don't know is, is that um, you don't get that tax break. You don't get that. Well, they get it actually. <laughs> um, but so you're paying a little bit more in taxes and you're, you're giving up 10 or 20%, but you know, you're not using your own money. There's no risk. If you scale that up and, and they'll let you go, you know, build it up to 10, 15, 20 contracts or more in some 30 contracts in some cases. And instead of you having to have a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand dollars, or whatever, whatever the number is, based off of the amount of contracts you're trading in your account, you don't have to have anything. So can you, you, can you remind me though? But if there's a loss, then what happens? They close out the account and they'll let you retake the test. Now, what what's happening in the in the business? Just to let you know, and 
there's ver various companies will do different things. Um, what some of them will do is they'll actually, they'll, they'll let you take the test. They'll let you pass. If you make money, they'll pay you, but they're not actually putting you in the live market. And, uh, you know, that's, you know, some people, some people have issues with that. Uh, the, the, the bigger companies and the better companies will do that. Um, but so basically, basically if you make money, and they have to pay you, they're paying it out of their own money, but they're also making a lot of money from people because these tests, these tests, you know, can go anywhere from 75 bucks on the low end to three, $400, you know, depending on how many contracts, what size you want. And there's people, I mean, thousands of people are taking hundreds, certainly multiple hundreds, probably thousands of people are taking these tests. And so they're making a lot of money off that. So, uh, but they're still taking a little bit of gamble. I mean, if you hit big and you make $200,000 in a week, you know, they're on the hook for it. And if you're not in the live market, you know, they're paying for it. So uh, the, the bigger, the better companies um, will, will put you in the live market. Uh, and but conversely, if you, if you blow up an account, then like, it's not costing them anything. And most people, more people blow it out. Exactly. They're not, they're not, they're not suffering any loss. What typically they do, the companies that do that is they wait to see whether or not you can trade. They wait to see how much risk you're taking. They give it two or three or four months. And if you're consistently making money before they let you scale up, then they'll put you in the live market where, you know, basically, and there, but again, the risk is 2000. And, and to be honest with you, most people, by the time they pass these things, I think the average, we used to work with a couple of the companies pretty, pretty close. I think the average back several years ago when they first came out it was six or six six or seven times somebody would take the test before they passed nobody's passing on the first time most most people don't um nowadays it might be different i i don't know especially with this volatility people get lucky and they can pass it or whatever but so they're making a considerable amount of money off of you and even if they lose the 2000 if you've already paid them 1500 or whatever but but it's a game for a lot of people and it's a game where they'll say look i spent you know three thousand dollars to get funded but i've made it back now i finally got funded i made it back and i didn't have to risk five ten twenty thirty fifty thousand dollars of my own money doing something stupid and it may be a better it made me a better trader because i was able to really you know they give you the tools for the risk management and everything they force you to basically hey you have a daily loss limit you know you don't have a twenty thousand dollar account where you can just get stupid and just blow it out in, in in a week or whatever like that they just don't give you that opportunity so it does help people with you know they don't really teach you how to trade but they give you the risk management tools if you think you've got a methodology or a system on your own where you can get in and have a little lot less money to do so just out of curiosity so can you give more detail on the tests? So like, what, 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 are, what are these tests like? So for example, in the futures, I'll, I'll just give you, and again, they vary in size, but a common one would be, again, $50,000 account. You can theoretically trade up to five contracts. You have a $1,000 per day, daily and weekly loss limit. That's daily and weekly. So if you lose 500 on, on Monday, you only got 500 for the rest of the week. Then if it, So if you lose 1,000, or let's say you lose 900, that week you have a 2000 total drawdown so you basically would have to quit for that week come back the next day and if you lost 900 you got 1100 you could still lose if you get it back and you get back 
you know, positive equity, then you, you keep going. So typically, now some companies will not give you a weekly drawdown or a daily drawdown. They'll say it's 2,500 bucks. That's your drawdown. You can lose it all in one day. You can lose 2,300 one day and you can make it back after that and you're good. So, and you got to typically make on that three grand. So you got to make three grand and they give you a $2,500 drawdown. And if you make it, you get funded. And then you have to, again, different companies have different rules. Some of them you have to scale. So they gave you five maximum to start. And then you have to start with two. Once you make a grand, you can go to three. Once you make two grand, you can go, you got to scale it to get back up to the five. Other companies don't have a scaling plan. You can do whatever you want. So it just varies company by company. And there's not a ton of really reputable ones out there. There's, you know, there's, there's three or two or three or four and, and really only a couple, two or three that I'd consider, you know, that would be decent based on their rules and stuff like that. But some of them will offer you $500 a month and you can trade up to 30 contracts and you got to make 18 grand, but you got 30 contracts. I mean, 30, you know, so, I mean, you know, it, you know, it's, it's a great tool for people who don't have a ton of money, who think that they can trade and, um, don't have either don't want to risk their own money now and what a lot of people will do is a lot of people will get funded who can get funded and then they'll take that money out and they'll go put it in their own account so they'll you know maybe they'll withdraw a couple thousand this month go put it in their own account then they'll build their own account and then they'll start trading their own account as well but they're using the money they made from that company to do it again that's if you get that far remember it just like in business trading is no different 95 percent of all traders fail. Um, and it's actually the numbers worse than that because the, the, the numbers 95% completely fail, but out of the 5% that make it uh, right. If you trade for a year and you make a hundred bucks, <laughs> you're theoretically pr profitable. Right. But you know, who's going to, who's going to live on that? I mean, who's going to say, you know, so, but, and there's a lot of guys, there's a ton of guys that are, well, they pay their broker and they're up a grand. Well, they're a profitable traders, so they fall into that four. They don't fall. They don't fall into the ninety-five percent that eventually that that fail completely. They fall into the five percent that are theoretically profitable. So three percent, or maybe even more of of that five percent, really aren't making you know enough to where it's you know as if it's a hobby or they're doing it part time and they have a job and they're making extra money because they want to go on vacations or buy a car and a lot of people do that and that's fine you know but um there's only a couple percent two three percent of people that are really making a good living out of all the people who try i mean you know and then and then that number is a lot so there are a lot of traders that make money certainly but uh the percent is very small comparing those who give a go at it well, I think that's fascinating. I didn't actually realize, I, I kind of knew how the tests work and everything. And I just never paid. I just decided, you know, it's not worth it. I, anytime I looked at one in more detail, a lot of them have you, I think one of them required you to make 50 trades a week. And I go, well, my strategy is that I don't, I, I know I can't guarantee 50 right. a week and things like that. Right. Well, and that's the other thing. They, a lot of them will, it's a monthly fee. So for example, with the one I was telling you about, it's like 140 or something like that for a month. Now you don't have to pass it in a month. You could take three months to pass if you want. So they don't, they don't say you have to do it. You have to trade a minimum of 10 days with most of them which is basically a half a month to two weeks. Uh, and, but, but you could take six months to pass it if you want to the, you know, you just got to keep giving them the money monthly until you pass. And then that goes away. And then they charge you data fees, just like a regular broker, which they're making money on top of that as well, because you know, they're, 
you know, they're, they're charging you anywhere from 75 bucks to 125 bucks for the data fee. So of course it's a profit margin for them as well, but still if for somebody who, who doesn't, isn't, doesn't have the confidence where they want to go blow 20 grand. And I talk to people routinely. Most of the people that I talk to have been added anywhere from three months to five years and they they're into the market for 15 to 30 K. I mean, that's just, that's average. And now I talk to people who have been in 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. I've talked to people that have been, I think the highest number I ever heard was 250,000, but that's over, that's over about a decade. Uh, maybe, maybe 12 or 13 years they were trading and that's between losses and courses and all that other kind of stuff. So, and the guy's still at it. Now, most people would have quit way before then. You know, most yes. people, most people, they lose 10, 20 grand. All oh, this isn't for me. They quit. Um, but, you know, I, I, I routinely hear, you know, not routinely, but 50,000, 70,000. I mean, that's a high number. But, you know, like I said, 15 to 30 is not uncommon at all unless they're brand new. Um, people, you know, they just so with the funding, with the funding options, you know, you can say, look, I'm, I have a strategy here. I've been testing it on sim. I think it's good. I want to put it in, in, the, in, the, in, in the game with where I can potentially earn real money at it. But I don't want to go and risk $30,000 or $20,000 of my own money. So it's it's not a bad option. Of course, it's better to use your own um, for the reasons we mentioned from the tax advantages and the, the profit that you get to keep and stuff. And you don't have as many rules. Some of them have, you know, some of them have some stringent rules. I mean, some of them have rules like you can't hold through news. Some of them have rules. Um, you know, you, of course, you have to be flat by five minutes before the market closes. Well, if you hold that position four minutes before the market closes, they're going to, you cancel. What does that mean? That means you blow it out and that means you got to restart it and pay them another 140 bucks. So basically what they make you do, it's kind of like having skin in the game instead of being on the simulator. You do have money in the skin in the game because you got to put that money up. So you might say, well, I don't want to do that stupid thing here because it's not sim. Like I got to, then I'm going to have to reset and I'm going to have to pay more money. So it, it is a good way to kind of get, you know, and, and again, that was not available when I started. When I learned, it doesn't, it didn't exist, you know. So you were, you know, you were either on the simulator until you really were were consistent and you were sure you thought you had something, and then you were going really small. Now these guys are coming out and they're firing away with three, four, five contracts right away in the in in the futures. Um, you know, I started with one because you know I figured start with one, build a two, build a three, you know, and, and I don't think that was a bad thing, but just it is what it is you know? yeah no i think i mean that makes a lot of sense now when i really hear about some of the funding options and how they work because i was I, I think i was in that boat a couple of years ago here where i had i had you know i, I had some uh some really good beginner's luck and mm -hmm. did really well but then all of a sudden yeah i had you know a twenty five thousand dollar account and i still didn't know what i was doing and i was constantly just taking these massive positions i was taking 20 30,000 positions you know they were offering me leverage and everything and then all of a sudden one trade went against me and i lost half of it right. and so and i and you know I, you mentioned rules and you know <laughs> those rules they might they might suck a little bit right. but i think a lot of people that don't know what they're doing you know i wonder how things would have played out for me if i had had set rules for that you know what i've learned something a little bit quicker um, if I knew those yeah. rules were, were going to be enforced on me so, you know, so strictly. Well, and I think that's the problem. You know, it's not just about a setup. I always tell people, you know, if you don't have a great setup to get you in, 
you know, whether that means your setup includes scaling or whatever it is, if you don't have a great setup to get in, you have nothing. But even with a great setup, you need, you know, you need to know where the market's going. You really need to know why you got into the trade besides you're buying off of a moving average or you're buying off of the VWAP, whatever, whatever your methodology is. Um, it really needs to be more than that. And the reason why it needs to be more than that is because in your brain, you really need to understand what you're doing and the risk that you're taking. Why should this trade work? Okay, I'm buying this stock and I think it's going up and I'm only in short term. I'm day trade. I'm flat at the end of the day. Why am I getting in this? What specifically is happening here? Why I think this should go up, not just it's at a moving average, because that's that's just is not enough I, I, for most people. People make money with it. A lot of people don't make money trying to do that. And the reason is the their psychology. Everything's messed up because so you have to have money management, position ma management. You have to understand targets where if you're going to scale out, where are you going to scale out at? This all has to happen when you're in the trade. When the trade starts going your way, this all has to happen you know, you have to put that, those dopamine levels that come into your body and all that stuff, that, you know what I mean? That comes in all that excitement when you're in the trade. Now you have to put that all aside and you have to say, okay, but here's a target. Here's where it's going. Oh, it's going against me now. Where, when am I in trouble? You know, you have to really understand all that. And a lot of people make a lot of stuff about psychology. And I think psychology and trading is just it, again, it's one of those pillars of things. It's a high percent of, of the total package of what you need, but I, I talk to so many people that say, you know, I think I have a pretty good setups, a pretty good win rate. My psychology isn't there. And for some people that may be true, but for a lot of people you know, or discipline, you know, I get that a lot. I'm not, you know, I know how to trade, but I'm not disciplined. Well, again, are you not disciplined because you really don't know you know, do you really have something that works? And, and I've done this. I've actually done this with probably, I don't know, a dozen people where people say, yeah, I have a really simple setup. I buy here. I do this. I wait for the EMA and the SMA. And it's very simple what I do. And this this works like 90% of the time. And I'm just not patient. So I, again, coming from a tech background, I used to be a programmer. Um, and there's tools out there. There's Bloodhound. There's different stuff out there that you can that you can do where you can, very, you can program this stuff, literally, like where it'll take the trades. So I tell them, boom, okay, that's easy enough. Boom, boom. Let me, let me put those rules in there and we'll, we'll let this thing run, you know, and sure enough, it fails. <laughs> and then they come back to me and say, oh yeah, but wait a minute. You know, I would have, I wouldn't have bought there because it was the news or I wouldn't have done this. And it's like, okay, but you didn't tell me that was your rule. So then we add that in and we keep adding. And I've, every single time I've done it, the person doesn't have a winning a, a winning system. So they think they do and they think it's their discipline or their psychology that's not when they really just don't understand. And I'm not criticizing anybody because I didn't, I didn't understand for years. So, I mean, I, I, but it's just, if you don't understand the markets and intraday is a game, it's all a game. I mean, the S and P, you know, you could start 3660. It can go down to 3650. It can go up to 3690. It can close at 3660 where it opened. And you look at the paper at the end of the day or the Google and say S and P down two. Well, great. But it went down 20. It went up 50. It came back down 30. And that's the game. That's the intro. That's where people get, eaten alive. If you're swing trading or position trading, of course, you're trading with bigger, you know, bigger stops or whatever. So maybe you don't worry about that kind of stuff intraday. But certainly if you're a day trader, whether it's stock, op, whatever it is, um, there's reasons why it goes down the 20 and up the 50 and up the, and it, it's all about, 
you know, and it depends on what it is, if it's stocks, if it's futures, whatever it is, there's different reasons for it. But once you understand that, 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 that movement, then, you know, hopefully you can capitalize on it. Now, I, I, I know, um, was it a couple of weeks ago when the, when the, when Pfizer had that vaccine and the markets mm-hmm. just gapped way up on Monday morning and then sold off all day. Mm-hmm. And I was watching Holds the news lower. tonight. And they go, oh, markets rallied based on Pfizer news. I'm like, what? No, they're five percent. They closed up one percent. Give me a break. Right. Now I'm sitting there yelling at uh, yelling at David Muir, whoever was <laughs> whoever was on the news. And, and actually, I don't even think I think the Dow closed up. I don't even think the S and P. It think might the have. S&P, no, it but it was, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. It was way up, and then and then you you see the news, and people are like, oh, I'm gonna buy. Because the you know the recovery trade and the and the and and then what happens? It ended up selling off uh, for several, not selling off hard, but I mean it didn't go up. So yeah, yeah. no, I, it, it's very funky the way that the way that all stuff all works. But uh, that's why I'm with you. I, I like to be flat at the end of the day when I can for short term stuff. Absolutely. Well, very good. Well, I think it was also fascinating that you mentioned that uh, the test they actually put in the fake market. That makes a lot of sense to me now. Because like, you know, especially with the statistics, if 90% of traders fail, so you've got, you know, a hundred or a thousand people showing up every week, giving you a hundred, 200 bucks, and you know, they're going to blow it up. You you know, only a couple of them are going to actually make anything. Then I can see very easily how the numbers would work out in their favor to not put anybody in a live market. Right. Only uh, select, only select people. Yeah. Or select. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Especially the people that are better testing it and really new to it. So, and, and, and also, by the way, they're charging you commissions. But if you're not in the live market, you're not paying the commissions. So they're making even off of that as well because whatever they have to pay you out, that's minus commissions, which they didn't, you know. So, so yeah, I mean, it's. You know, it's, it's interesting for sure. Yeah. It's a business. It's a it's business. A bus- it's a business, but it can, it can be helpful, you know, certainly to traders. I, I have no doubt about that. So would you mind giving us a couple? You said there's only a few out there that are legitimate. I said, I'm always very hesitant. I, I cause I just don't know. I've never worked with any of them. Is there any that yeah. you have- you'd be willing to name for us sure and i'm and again i'm not i'm not you know an affiliate of any of these or anything like that i'm just telling you top step trader is is the one that's been around the longest um i will tell you that their strong points are they have very good customer service i mean you call them up on the phone which a lot of people like um because some of them don't some of them are email only um and um the downsides to them, I would say, is is that their rules are a little stringent, and um, meaning, like for example, with their with their test, you have to like on the three thousand dollar one. There's actually two steps. You got to make three thousand for step one. Then you have to scale and step step two and do three thousand. So it's two steps. You got to basically pass it twice. Now there's another company called Lilu Trading, where um, you don't have to do that. It's basically one step. Um, Lilu does not have a daily or weekly loss limit. It's just 2,500, whatever, whatever it is based on your package. That's the limit. Uh, as long as you don't go under that limit. And a lot of them are trailing, by the way, just so people know, a lot of them are trailing, not on closed positions. So if you're up a thousand and you let that thing come back 500, your high watermark is that thousand even though you didn't lock it in at that point. So that's the way I trade. I scale out and I take profits along the way. So it doesn't really affect that much. But yeah, theoretically, you could be up four grand and let it come back three grand and you blow it out and you're up a grand and you lo- and you failed. 
So, and, and it's like that for a little bit different for both of them. So Lilu has a little bit cheaper prices. Phone support and customer service is good, but I don't think their phones, I don't even think they have phone support, but um, uh, maybe they do. Uh, so Lilu, I would say right now is, is, is a close second. For, for different reasons. Maybe some people would even put them in first. There's also a company called one up trader, uh, which is, I don't, I would say they're a solid third. Uh, those, and, and again, this is just my opinion. Um, and then there's, there's other ones, there's gauntlet that's out there. They all run a little differently, but I would say if anybody's serious about and wants to do that, I would look into top step or Lilu. Those would okay. be my two. We'll, we'll, we'll post uh, some links to that. And that way people can certainly check it out. Like I said, sure. I, I think it makes a lot of sense now, especially after talking to you, you know, I think it's so interesting. You come into the market and you just don't know what you don't know. Um, so I just, I hope that if nothing else, this podcast gives some people some of that, you know, so they're not taking a $10,000 loss all of a sudden. They're just, they're just giving up that $140 or something while they test, while they find out they they can't actually trade yet. Um, and so some of the, yeah. And some of the companies just because so, we didn't mention it, can't do options, but you can do micros. Um, Top Step has a separate program with micros. Lilu, you can do micros or minis in the same account. And um, Top Step, though, which Lilu doesn't have, has Forex. So if you want to do Forex, you can do Forex, which is, which is, so if you're a Forex trader, forget about Lilu. You just go to Top Step. So, okay. I mean, that's, yeah, that's uh, the way that goes. All right. Sounds good. Well, I'm going to link to Top Step and Lilu in the show notes. We've got that there. Um, I do want to make, all right. So, what are you up to these days? What, you work with a uh, with a company. I well, I what ended up happening was the mentor that I learned from. Um, I, I had learned from him. I was trading for a while. I was trading on my own. Everything was fine. Um, he basically had a a uh, just a mentorship academy, basically where you would learn to trade. There was no particular call room where he was calling out trades for people or anything like that. Uh, and he was running that in the morning. And what ends up happening now is because what's out there and you may not be aware, there's just a lot of marketing. There's a lot of people who really don't know how to trade. Um, and, and people are just getting burned left and right. So a lot of people are coming to him or were coming to him back then. This was about five years ago and saying, Hey, you know, we've heard good things about you, but you know, we need to see this. Like we can't, you know, we, we need to see it for hundreds of trades. Like, and we're not going to trust anybody for one day or, and, and it's understandable, especially if you're somebody who wants to pay to learn, not everybody does, but if you want to get an education. Um, so basically what he did was he reached out to a few of his better students, me being one of them and said, Hey, you know, would you be willing to try this now? As you're probably aware, trading is a lonely business. You know, you're sitting there all day, you know, staring at the screen, maybe listening to some music, nobody to talk to. Um, so I said, you know what, I've never done anything like this before, but I wanted to help um, like the guy who helped me in the trading group who walked in the door and I became pretty good friends with him. He gave me a lot of extra help. His name was Eric. Um, I'll never forget him. Uh, you know, I said, look, if I can help people, I'm here anyway. Um, in fact, he wanted to do the room all day. And I was like, no, 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 I don't need to do, I don't need to do this. Like I'm making money trading in the morning. I just, you know, I'm here anyway. If you want to do it in the morning, that's fine. I said, I'll try it for a couple months. No promises. We'll see what happens. And it ended up working out. And it actually, I found that it kept me more engaged. Um, because people are asking questions and things like that. So now there's a call room where people can come to, and I'm not, you know, I'm not an owner in the company. I'm helping him out. You know, he gives me some stuff uh, for it. Um, but um, 
So if people want to learn, there's an option. If people want to just, you know, get more interested in the markets, take take trading calls, um, and and more more so just see what we do. Uh, they can go there and they can and they can check it out. And there's no there's no fee. There's a 10 day trial. Um, if you want to learn, you can learn. Um, if you want to just be in a call room, you can be in a call room. Um, but you do get 10 days where you can ask questions about anything, any kind of trading questions, anything about what you're trying to do, you know, all that kind of stuff. You get a free consultation. So it's a good thing for people if they just want to learn more about the markets and they want an honest, honest opinion without paying anything to start. They can go do that and get an opportunity. And that's futurestradingcoach.com, right? Futurestradingcoach.com. Yes, I also have my own website too, which you can link to, which is 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 coming soon. Um, we're going to be doing some some special webinars and things like that on there. It's rickmazur.life, R-I-C-K-M-A-Z-U-R.life, L-I-F-E. Um, that's not up officially yet, but it will be in the coming weeks. So, um, and that's going to be a lot of free information on there as well. Rick, just out of, out of curiosity, how, how many people are in those trading rooms? How many people are you talking to at once? It, it varies. I mean, if we do a webinar, if we do, it'll be anywhere from, you know, depending on the week and the time of year, it'll be anywhere from 50, 60, 70 people on the low end could be, you know, in the hundreds, you know, not multiple hundreds, but uh, basically we don't have thousands of people in there primarily because we, do, it, Sam doesn't advertise. Sam is the, is, is the owner. Uh, he doesn't believe in advertising. It's all really word of mouth. Um, in fact, with futures, you can't even advertise anymore. Google, uh, YouTube, cut that off. Um, he just doesn't believe in advertising. So it's basically all organic searches, word of mouth, uh, referrals and things like that. And all the mentoring is one-on-one. -on -one. So he couldn't take 20 people or 30 people in a month for the, for the mentorship Academy. He only takes a handful of people every month. Call room. Theoretically, you can have as many as you want, but again, we're not, you know, we're just traders. We're traders who are trying to help people who want to, you know, be trades. It's a little, you know, there's a monthly fee for the room because, you know, you know, we're asking questions in the middle of trades. We're helping people. We're helping them with their trade management. We're helping them with stuff. So of course there's a little bit of a fee. And of course, if you want to learn, there's, you know, it's a, it's a, a months months on end process i mean to take somebody from a to z you know a being somebody who doesn't know how to place a trade to z being um you know consistent uh being the best trader they can be of course there's never a guarantee because we can't control what you're doing on your end of the mouse but um and i don't do the trade i don't do any personal i don't train people myself i mean i just help him with the call room a couple hours a day and that's it i do my own trading pre-market and stuff like that but um so, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot. And with COVID, the interest has been up a lot more, obviously, because people are at home. People are working from home, which is interesting. I find a lot of people now that are, you know, they have their boss and they're working remotely and they're popping off trades and which is which is cool. It's cool. I mean, especially if they can get into it more. Well, I when, even when I was working uh, full time, I started kind of trading a little bit and it was just I, that's why I just traded the open because I always figured I could take that 15 to 30 minutes and just you know, get in, either take a position or not take a position. Mm -hmm. But, you know, at the same time, if you're a good employee, my boss started coming to me after, after a couple of weeks and say, well, what are you trading today? You know, and, yeah, <laughs> and he wanted right. to know so he could get in on it. So I think if, if you're a good employee, a lot of times your bosses don't even mind. 
Well, I have a guy, I have a couple of guys actually where their network, their company, their network blocked them so they couldn't get on those trading websites and they literally got cellular hotspots and they connected their laptop to them to be able to trade. Yeah, it's, you know, behind their boss's back or whatever. But yeah, I mean, you know, people who want to trade, I had a guy who worked for AT&T, I think it was AT&T, who was actually out in the field in one of those vans that drive around and he was trading in his van on a mobile in, in between in between uh he was in the call room in between calls when they were dispatching him and he was sitting in his van trying to take that's crazy i can't i can't trade mobile on mobile like that i mean i just me personally i can't it's i mean if i got to adjust the position if i have an order in and i'm just waiting for something to trigger and i could just hit the button i but to sit there and i don't know how people do it like, so you never uh, yeah, traded uh, in the bathroom on your phone, you know, for fun? <laughs> no, I, I just, I can't do it. I, 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 I tried it and I just, I'm like, you know, I figure, you know, you got to sit in front of the screen two and a half hours a day. Options I can because options, if I, if I have an, a position where it needs an adjustment, if it gets into trouble um, or I want to take profits, I can have those conditional orders already in. I can say with my platform, you know, if the price gets here and I know I have to make an adjustment, go ahead and put that order in and it'll automatically trigger or i can get an alert based on where the market's at and i can have those orders and just log into my phone and say okay boom you know enter it i don't have to do a bunch of clicking and all that kind of stuff i can't it's not for me but i know people do it you know people do it with these mobile platforms now yeah no for a while there i was doing outside sales and before covid hit and what i would do is i'd always have to drive to an area in the morning so i'd drive to the area i'd kind of scope out where i wanted to go I'd hit up about 9.30, though. I'd find a Starbucks, grab a mm-hmm. coffee, and set up in there and, you know, just spend 30 minutes or so. And then wherever I was at, I could always manage my positions on my phone from there and then head on to the next customer. And no, nobody ever missed me. That's awesome. That's I, I love, like, you know, trading. I'm very passionate about trading. And anybody who wants to be a trader, and, you know, it's it's it's. I think it's great. I mean, you know, and whatever lengths you need to go to to, to get there. I mean, it's that's awesome for sure. So we do have one more segment, but is there anything else that you wanted to leave us with here? We know where to find you. You're you're uh, you're hanging out there at Futures Trading Coach, so people can come find you. We'll also link to your website, uh, that Rick, Rick Major dot life. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else you want to leave us with before we have the final segment here? No, I think we covered. An, I think we covered a lot. I mean, we can go into a lot of stuff, but maybe another time if you want to have. Me yeah, yeah, time. absolutely. We'll definitely have you back because I know. Yeah, I can tell you're passionate about the market. I know I am too. Sure. Um, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I could, it's just, it's really, it's always good to connect to another trader and somebody that really does have this passion. Absolutely. I always say, I can't walk out of my front door. I say it all the time and find my neighbor and start talking to him about trading because in fact, I don't, I mean, people ask me, what do I do a lot of times? Cause they don't, most people don't understand. They say, Oh, is that risky? Or yeah. isn't that, aren't you gambling? And aren't, you know, I mean, and I, I just, it's just easier sometimes to just say, you know what I tell people. So a lot of times I say I'm a risk manager. Because that's really what I that's really what I consider trading is, by the way. I mean, I think that you're putting a trade on because you see an opportunity and you're managing risk. I mean, that's really that's really all you're doing. I mean, so, um, you know, I'm not lying in my in my mind. I just tell them that and they don't they don't understand. And then that just keeps them quiet and they move on to the next subject. But uh, I wish I had five people down my block that I could talk to about trading and hang out in the front and in the driveway and stuff like that. But you know, it's not how it works as most of you guys know. No. Yeah. I, I, all too well. It's funny. Yeah. I, I remember I was at my dentist a while back getting a feeling. I was like, I'm going to be done by nine or so. And they're like, I go, I want to get home for the market open. They go, Oh, isn't that risky? I said, if you know what you're doing, it's not, I go, you know, what would be risky is me giving you the filling. (laughs) 
<laughs> exactly. Exactly. Hundred percent. Exactly. Uh, well, Brian has our, our final segment here. I haven't heard the question. Rick hasn't. So we're going to get strung with uh, the question of the day. We don't. We not, never know what it is. It could be trading related. It might not be. So Brian. Sure. So we talked a little bit about the S and P five hundred, and as we're recording, a new company is going to be included into the S&P 500. And so I hear, you know, so Tesla is timed out. I think December 21st is the date when Tesla will be added. And so there's been some interesting action on Tesla stock. So I, I don't know, as someone who trades, you know, or, or with the S&P 500, any, any thoughts on Tesla's inclusion in the S&P 500? Does that even, you know, what's that register in your mind to you? Uh, well, it's interesting that you say that because the S&P used to be, uh, I'll try to keep the answer short, but the S&P used to be primarily made up of energy type stocks and everything like that years ago. Now, a lot of the market, the indexes, you know, it, they're, they're weighted tech, you know, Google, you know, all that, the FANG stocks and all that. So the fact that Tesla's going in there, uh, I, I, you know, I think it's going to be good for the market. I don't, long-term, I don't know, you know, again, I'm, I'm out at the end of the day. So for me, it doesn't really matter as much, but, um, and I don't trade individual stocks short-term like that, but, um, it's an interesting company. It's for sure. I, I think it's interesting that Tesla's getting that. I think it kind of just gives it some legitimacy, where you know you can look out there, and people they always have a, a five dollar price target on it, uh, but for some reason it just keeps going up and up and up <laughs> yeah, and up. Like and Netflix. So, yeah, I, I think it didn't add it into the S and P five hundred. Just gives it some some level of legitimacy. I actually just look at it right now. It's trading it. it to, I didn't even realize it topped six hundred the other day. Uh, oh wow! <laughs> yeah, it's but, just it's going through the roof. But it, it gives I think a legitimacy to the industry. It really lets us know that it's here to stay. I mean. You know, Tesla's been profitable for over a year now, which for years everyone said wouldn't happen. So I think I think electric vehicles are, are really part of our future. I think they're going to be part of the uh, part of the global warming uh, solution. I know we've got a long way to go on a lot of things, but I, I think it's a good thing overall that it just gives it that that little more legitimacy to the industry as a whole. You know, you can say what you want about Elon Musk. So, so what do you what do you think of this that? Because it's joining the S and P five hundred, all these passive index funds have to, you know, then purchase Tesla stock to rebalance their S and P five hundred portfolios. And presumably, they're going to have if somebody gets kicked out, they're going to have to sell that, right? So right. when Tesla gets added, a bunch of funds are, are either have to be now buying or will have to be buying on the day. And then there's probably you know at home people that are trying to emulate the S and P five hundred, you know, the index without having to buy, you know, right. uh, you know, getting a mutual fund or getting you know uh, an, an, an index fund. So these people are trying to time the market, you know, because they know that these purchases have to be made. So I think that this is just an interesting dynamic that's going to go on. And then what happens the day after it gets, you know, added to the S&P 500? I think that's going to be an interesting day. Too. Yeah, it's, it's always fun when something big like that gets added for sure. Yeah, I, it's it's I love that type of stuff. 100 percent. I just hey, expect some volatility. That's all. <laughs> there's going to be some volatility. Yeah, I mean, the only thing about you know the, the I do I do agree, um, Michael, the, about Tesla with the uh, with the electric cars. Um, I guess the only thing that you know a, a critic may say, and, and I'm not one by the way. It's just what they people say is is that you know do you think that the big car companies and they've been trying to squeeze Tesla out? I think for a long time, you know, behind the scenes. But um, there's probably room for everybody. Um, so I, I think it'll be fine, but a lot of people always doubted Tesla because they wondered if they'd be able to keep up with the big boys. And they've proven, like you said, they've proven that they're that they're going that they have so far. So, uh, and I like Elon Musk. I don't know; he's a little crazy, but uh, you know, anybody who's willing to take risk. I mean, you know, he, you know, when you're really when you're willing to put it all on the line like that, 
you know, you should be able to reap the rewards. You know, I, I don't necessarily agree. And there's, a, you know, there's people out there that think, you know, Jeff Bezos is bad because, you know, he's the richest guy in the world or whatever. But, um, you know, I remember, I remember Amazon and those when, when they were, you know, when he was in his garage, you know, yeah. I remember in fact, you know what I mean? And, and he was making nothing and he was sitting there working and I, cause I started a business. So, I mean, when you're working seven days a week, uh, 20, you know, 18 to 21 hours a day, uh, for years like that. Um, and I don't really think any, that's just my personal opinion, capitalism. I don't really think you people should, you know, but you know, it's, everybody's entitled to their own opinion on that. But I, I put Elon Musk kind of in the same category because he, he had, cause he owned PayPal, right? Yeah. Yeah. That was his, uh, that yeah. was his big, that's how he made his uh, first couple billion. Yeah, And he put PayPal. a lot of that money into, I mean, it wasn't, I mean, so of his own, you know, I mean, it was his personal money at that point when he had cashed out, but I mean, he put all, so I, you know, I don't know when you're willing to, when you believe in yourself enough that you're willing to put in, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't think, but yeah, he's a little nutty. Yeah, he's nutty. I guess that's that's what my point was. No, I I think he's he's a fascinating person. Like I said, yeah, he's definitely nutty. He can be a little eccentric. Um, <laughs> right. But um, but yeah, at the end of the day, he's brought he's brought electric vehicles into the mainstream, which was we we were told for a long time that could never happen. And he's greatly reduced um the cost of space travel. Right. Which, you know, which right. NASA was never able to do. So right. you know, that's you, it. you need you need thinkers like that in the world. Yeah, in, in my opinion, innovators. you know, you, you need that. Otherwise, you know, when, you know, you just have the same old stuff. Brian, sure. do you have a do you have a take on it on on Tesla and what 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 to expect next? I mean, I'm one of those people. I've always been a little bit of a Tesla skeptic, and I'm like, you know, man, I think it would be a good time to short Tesla. And thank God, I've never pulled that trigger. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I I just refuse to trade Tesla either way. But I mean, it's wow, it's just interesting to watch for sure. And to your point about Elon Musk and the company, I think, I mean, I, I love the fact that we're all headed toward electric vehicles. And I mean, that, that's good for the world. And, you know, I hope that that, you know, is a successful adaptation, right, for, you know, for all of humanity, right? Uh, and I think Elon Musk is a certainly a great, interesting character as, you know, as an individual. So, um, you know, I wish them all the best success. But man, it does seem really highly valued at the moment. And it does seem like certain people are trying to, you know, I guess I wouldn't say scalp or arbitrage the fact that it's going to be included on a specific day and a certain number of people are going to buy. I think that's interesting. Yeah. But, you know, you know, uh, a lot of people said the same thing about Netflix. And for three years, you know, they they got they, they got their lunch handed to them, all those uh -huh. guys that were short in Netflix. I mean, is it overvalued? Was it overvalued? Yeah. But so was Amazon. Until 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 they became profitable and it wasn't. So I mean, uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not a big agree. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a big fan of shorting uh, companies at the top like that because you don't believe because you know Amazon I believe never even gave they, they I mean when, you know when they would come out with their they basically just they wouldn't even tell you what they're doing with the money and people believed in them and they're just like okay you know like where where do you get a company where you come out on a conference call and they just say. Yeah, we're just, you know, we're not even going to tell you what we're doing with the money. I mean, we're just, we're, we're, we're doing what we think is best. I mean, it's like nobody gets away with that, but they did, you know, people believed in them. And uh, so, uh, you know, I feel sorry for Blockbuster. That's what I feel sorry for. <laughs> I mean, Blockbuster, I couldn't believe it. Blockbuster, like they saw the writing on the wall for like four, three, four years. Like the, they, I think they had co-CEOs, if I remember. And I was screaming at the whole, I'm like, how can you not see this Netflix coming up by you? And like, they just refused. I mean, they had all the money in the world. They could have, they could have competed with Netflix and, and they did nothing. And then you, you see where they're at now, nowhere. You know, I mean, it's just, I believe there's one store left in Alaska. Is there really? 
I yeah. believe so. It's really? a novelty store. <laughs> I, I, I didn't know that. Really? Wow. I didn't know that. So maybe they might, they will outlast, you know, Netflix. Who knows? They, they, you know what? <laughs> That's probably why they did it. Yeah, no, it's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's cool stuff. Yeah. Oh, good. Well, well, Rick, I really appreciate you coming on today. I've had a great time. Great conversation with you. Definitely would love to have you on again. Uh, maybe we'll get some feedback from our listeners and they might have more specific questions for you. And then we can go from there. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Of course. Yeah, thanks, Rick. Really learned a lot and appreciate your time here. So this has been Trading for Keeps. I'm Brian. And this is Michael.